This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. My conversations with God are as if I'm talking to a best friend because God is my best friend. And so my conversations with him are very like, what, like, what are you doing? You know, I don't get it. I don't get you. What are you doing? This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. As we were hitting this one-year mark of the pandemic, I wanted to talk to Donna Perry because I had been thinking about her all year. This is Yasmin Khan, producer at Death, Sex, and Money, who a year ago was reporting on COVID in New York City in the WNYC newsroom. I first spoke with Donna almost exactly a year ago. This was a time when I was reporting from home, calling around to different neighborhood groups, you know, to try to get a sense of how people were doing on the ground. I got Donna's number through an organization called East Brooklyn Congregations. It's this coalition of mostly Black activist churches. And they told me about one of their churches, Brown Memorial Baptist Church, that was experiencing a wave of infections. And they asked if I would like to speak with a woman named Donna Perry, who had just recovered from COVID. So you get this name and this phone number of a woman named Donna, and you call her up and you are saying, like, right as she's in the middle of all this, and you say, I'm a reporter who you don't know. Tell me what's going on in your life. Yeah, pretty much. Um, And she was very open. (laughs) She was like, sure, I'll talk to you. Actually, first, I got her on the phone when she was out delivering meals with her husband. You know, she had made it through COVID, and I, I think it was her first day really out and about, and she was accompanying her husband delivering meals to people who needed them. 
you know, we chatted first about the meal delivery and I learned that she and I were the same age, 41. Mm. That was last year, 41. We're now 42. She has two daughters, just like I do. Um, We talked about schools being closed and how she was dealing with that. And she told me about her illness, that for her, it was like a bad flu, that her mother, who lives in the same household, contracted COVID from Donna. And just how this all came as kind of a surprise, because it seemed like at that time, the coronavirus was something you got if you traveled. So Donna was telling me how she felt like she needed to announce publicly on her Facebook page that she had the coronavirus. This is what she told me then. I went public because I was annoyed. I was annoyed because here I was, a Black woman with coronavirus who had not traveled, right? Who, to her knowledge, had done everything right. Who, to her knowledge, was not exposed to anybody that would have traveled or had coronavirus. But yet, when I turned on the television, the only faces that I saw that I was supposed to get answers from um, in terms of the experience were people that did not look like me, were people who were quarantining in 2,000 and 3,000 square foot homes. And this was a time, Anna, you know, when illnesses and hospitalizations were just starting to really climb in New York City. And But we didn't have data yet on coronavirus cases by race um, or on COVID-related deaths by race. Those numbers weren't, you know, showing up in city data yet, at least in the numbers that they were making public. But here I was with Donna on the phone, and she's telling me, uh, you know, at that time about five or six members of her church, a predominantly black church, who had already died. She told me that one of her best friends died of COVID just two days before Donna and I spoke. Um, This was a woman who was 40 years old with three daughters. And these deaths raised a lot of questions for Donna. It was something that just really made me wonder, like, you know, why, why was I spared? So it, it's it's been difficult, but then it's just kind of like, you know, you're going from day to day holding your breath to make sure to pray that you don't receive any more news. So one year later, as we're all trying to deal with the totality of the pandemic, I just wanted to catch up with Donna. You know, after her own illness, after losing a close friend and others, I wanted to hear more about her experience this last year. So I got her on the phone. Well, actually, I got her on Zoom. Donna, it's nice to see you. I know, right? I usually look a little better than this, but uh, sorry. Why? (laughs) I think you look great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We were both wearing sweatshirts. So where are you right now? Today, I am home um, in my small little office space that I created. (laughs) Um, Donna had just finished up a parent-teacher conference for her nine-year-old, and we just kind of caught up on family life. She had a job for a nonprofit last year around the census, but that was only temporary. This is the first time in my life that I've ever been on unemployment. And a couple of years ago, after a long career at Verizon, she started her own business, an online clothing boutique called Courageously Curvy. And when the pandemic hit, she had to put that on hold. It really didn't make sense to sell things with a whole bunch of sequins and stuff like that because people just simply didn't have anywhere to go. Her husband works, though, and Donna is someone who points out over and over again that her family has not suffered financially the way that she knows that others have. 
But of course, her family has had to grieve. And I wanted to hear more about Donna's close friend who died just days before she and I spoke a year ago. Her friend's name was Celicia Johnson, and she and Donna had been friends since they were kids, and they were still part of each other's everyday lives. Celicia was a powerhouse. Celicia was a force to be reckoned with. Um, she was a preacher. Um, she was a doting mom. She loved her children immensely. She loved her friendships. And she would always say that friendships are covenants. And every day we would speak at seven o'clock in the morning because that's the time when she would be on her way to work and I'd be on my way to work, but I drove. So, you know, I had road rage and it was just, you know, be comical. <laughs> every she day? Would, we spoke every day. And last March, both friends contracted COVID at essentially the same time. She didn't complain much, you know, um, even um, uh, until the day that I saw her on a FaceTime. And I was like, you really should go to the hospital. And she's like, oh, I'll call you back. The kids are getting on my nerves. I think the last time I spoke to her, the next day she went to the hospital and she passed that night. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I found out that Celicia died. I, I must admit, I threw quite a few things in my house. My mom just moved out the way. And she just allowed me to, you know, be in that moment. My husband, you know, he just kind of stepped back and allowed me to be in that moment. And it was just a, a, a moment that, that I had where I was just... I, I was just pissed off. I, I was pissed. I was just, I was just done. What did you throw? I can't even tell you. I know, I, I, I think I threw a vase. Thank God it wasn't really an expensive vase because then that would have probably been a problem. But I think I mm -hmm. threw a vase. Wow, what did I throw? I, I know I threw a plate. I can't remember. Like, I just threw what was available. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is when you live in a house with children who play all day, toys are always available. Stuffed animals are always available. <laughs> so many <laughs> options. So many options. Um, I probably threw a couple of dolls and a couple of teddy bears. And that moment of anger, was that just about the loss of your dear friend? Or was it also about you having to process your own survival after contracting COVID? No, I was just angry. I, I was angry about losing my friend. I was angry about so much loss because I felt like what we were going through as a country did not have to happen. And so have I had like a weeping moment? Yes. I think my weeping moment was when I did go to Celicia's funeral and I had to leave. And um, my best friend called me. My other best friend called me because, you know, we all grew up together. But she's just like, are you okay? And I was just like, no, I'm not okay. She's like, okay. Hmm. Because I'm usually the one that's okay. Do you, do you still have her number in your phone? I do. I still have her number in my phone. She's still my friend on Facebook. Um, there are moments where, and I call her husband, you know, every time I think of her, I call, I call her husband just to check in on them. For the most part, there are days where I'll send her a message on Facebook just to say, I miss you. Um, or I wish I could talk to you. 
Or, you know, I picked up the phone to call you to ask you a question about dot, dot, dot. And then I realized I couldn't. You lost a dear friend and you've lost many members of your church community. Mm-hmm. Have you had any, been able to have any kind of feeling of closure around these deaths? And I guess I'm just wondering how you've, how you've been able to grieve, like what that has even looked like in the past year. You know, to be honest, I don't think anybody has been able to adequately grieve. You know, um, the culture of the Black community, there is a way that we grieve. When we grieve and somebody dies, you know, people come over to your house, they sit with you, they bring the chicken, they bring this, they bring food, right? And you sit and mm-hmm. you talk and you, and, and, and you memorialize the person. And this is before the funeral. And then, you know, you have your funeral arrangements, you know, you have a homegoing celebration and you have your repast and, you know, you do all of these things. And then you go into like the reality and the realistic grieving process. And I feel like we've been robbed of the tradition of grieving. We've been robbed of the tradition of closure. And then let's not talk about the, you know, Zoom funeral. Have you, have you I, been to those? I am Zoomed the funeral out. How many do you think you've been to? Oh, at least about 15. All of those funerals were for people who died of illnesses related to COVID-19. Coming up, Yasmin and Donna talk about how all this death has made her think about her faith. Am I angry about COVID? Yes. But in addition to that anger, I also feel a sense of hope. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, 
or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash DeathSexMoney. We are so excited to see you there. I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale, here with producer Yasmin Khan. And Yasmin, you met Donna Perry first through her church. And when you talked to her about her faith after going through this tough year, what did she tell you? She says she's back at church in person, which is a comfort to her, and that she still has a close relationship with God, though her conversations with God are pretty candid. I'm very honest with God. With like, you know, I don't get what you're trying to show me. I don't get what you're trying to teach us. And I need you to help me so that I can continue to trust you. Like, if you want me to trust you, I need you to help me. But she says, then she'll be reminded of a passage of scripture. And it feels like God is showing her that she's not on her own. And through prayer, she says she's gotten clarity about what she calls the blessings of COVID. The definite blessing for me is COVID has allowed me to slow down. COVID has allowed me to um, refresh my marriage um, because we were both home. COVID allowed me to, to really appreciate time and not take time for granted. I heard Les Brown say one day that um, procrastination is the arrogance and believing that God has to give you another day. And I'm really starting to believe that now more than anything, that every day that I have is a gift and I have a responsibility to live my life in purpose. COVID has helped me to embrace my, my own ideals and how I think and how I view the world and how I view the importance of legacy. When you think about legacy, what do you think about? For me, I think legacy is, you know, what what people, what not even what people will think about you, but what will your children think about you? Um, and what will you leave to them? What will you leave for them to be able to speak of? Or what will you leave for them to be able to feast on in terms mm-hmm. of home ownership or businesses or, you know, things that they'll be able to not only feast on, but be able to feast on and be a blessing to other people for generations to come. And she listed off for me a number of really great things that have happened to her and her family this year. Donna has refocused on her business, Courageously Curvy. She just started working with a business coach during COVID. Uh, Her sister bought a house during the pandemic, and it has a yard, and the family has gathered there. And Donna just got her first dose of a vaccine. I actually got really emotional when um, I took the vaccine. What, What made you emotional about it? I thought of all of the people who would have literally given anything to have an opportunity to get the vaccine. Um, I thought of Salisha. I thought of 
all of the people from my church. I thought of all of those people. I thought of my own mortality. I'm curious about how you have basically kept up with other people over the last year, either in your church community, you know, or how you have offered support to other people um, who are grieving or who just maybe have been feeling isolated and alone. You know, it's interesting that you asked that question because someone posted something on social media. And one of the things that I said was that we have to go back to the old school way of doing things. Um, I think that a lot of times we have allowed social media to change the way that we, that we human, (laughs) if that's Mm -hmm. even, you know, um, and that we do life. Right. And I think that social media has put us in a position where we think that just because somebody took a selfie that they're doing well, um, Mm -hmm. or that just because, you know, somebody went on Instagram and posted something cute that they're doing well, not realizing that every smile is not happy. And so I've just made it my business to pick up the phone. Hmm. If I haven't heard from you in a while and you ran across my mind, um, no longer will I just say, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing and go about my day. If I know that I thought about so-and-so, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call so-and-so. And And if so-and-so doesn't answer, then I'm going to text them. Is it always reciprocated? No. <laughs> but I think that, you know, sometimes it's not about what's reciprocated. It's just about um, doing your part. I like how you use human as a verb. We need to human better. <laughs> right. Right. We we need to human better. Right. Because I, I think that we've forgotten how to human. We, we've forgotten how to do that. Are there ways you wish people had reached out to you over this last year? I do. And I must admit that um, the pandemic has definitely changed um, my relationship with certain people. Hmm. Yes, I I can honestly say that the pandemic has caused me to really, really stop and pay attention to certain relationships that I deemed valuable in comparison to, um, to what relationships are super important to me. But do you feel like anyone helped you? I understand that people turn to you for support. I I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But do you feel like someone helped you over this past year? Yes, I do. Um, I think that my husband was a great help and some, you know, some unexpected support from unexpected sources. Yes, definitely. Were there any particular conversations that stuck out, even with your husband, that helped you move through something this past year? Oof. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I, I would really have to kind of dig deep a little with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's hard when you are always the giver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, to really hone in on that when you're always the giver. Um, I don't really know how to say that any differently. <laughs> because you don't know how to identify when people are giving because you struggle with receiving in the first place. Can I ask about 
those phone calls that you had been making, um, you know, like when you, you say that you have, you know, this whole past year been reaching out to folks with phone calls or texts. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for how to do that. So let me tell you, um, it's actually a shirt that I've been thinking about producing um, that just simply says die empty, right? Mm. And what that means is like, you know, there's so much of what we could have said or what we could have done, so many dreams, so many visions and aspirations for our lives that go into the ground, that go with people into the grave. And so I just want to die empty. Mm. When I go into the ground, I want you to be able to say that I did every single thing that I've ever wanted to do. And I said everything, that I said I love you, even when I felt like I would have felt foolish saying it, I said I love you. That even when I felt like I would have felt vulnerable saying I'm sorry, that I said that I'm sorry. There are so many people in this pandemic that are isolated, that are quarantining alone, and there's not one person in their life that's available to say I love you. By just those three words, I love you. Extend grace to people. You know, if you if you know that a person hasn't picked up the phone to call you, it's okay. You if you thought about them, pick up the phone. You know, pick up the phone. That was Donna Perry. And I love how she's just telling people to pick up the phone and call. This is actually something we've been thinking about at Death, Sex, and Money. That idea, as Donna says, that it's on us to reach out to someone we've been meaning to over the last year. You don't have to wait for someone to call you. So we've got a project going. It's called Pick Up the Phone and Call Day. It is a holiday that we have made up. And it is scheduled for Friday, March 26th. If there is someone who you've been meaning to reach out to but just haven't, we want to encourage you to do it. Maybe it's someone who's had a major loss in the last year and you've put off calling because you're not sure what you'll say. Or maybe there's someone in your life who you think might just be lonely and appreciate a call. We heard about that a lot during our series about aging and being over 60 right now. And if you don't have someone in your life that immediately comes to mind to call, we'll also share some ideas with you about how to reach out to someone who needs it. We know it can be hard to actually pick up the phone and make the call. So we are going to do this together again on Friday, March 26th. But in the meantime, text the words call day to the number 70101 and we'll send you bits of encouragement and advice to make it a little easier and a reminder when the holiday is actually here. Yasmin Khan, thank you for introducing us to Donna Perry and for calling her back. Thank you. Die empty. Man, I'm going to remember that. I know, right? <laughs> 